Welcome to the Thicket and Thistle podcast, a roundtable discussion of our favorite aspects of musical theater. This episode, we are discussing South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. This is the 1999 film that is an American adult animated musical comedy written and voiced by Trey Parker and Matt Stone. The film is based on the popular animated television series with the same name, and it still airs on Comedy Central. Please enjoy the episode. You guys, Jules and I are going to ask questions this time. Uh oh! So How ready horrible. are you? For, we're gonna be awesome. What are you talking about? No, I'm joking. We're gonna oh, be okay. great. Okay, ten out of ten. Ready. Um, we I've, we've started this tradition of just checking in with people. I think we should do that. I'll go first. I'm still home in New York and really sick of quarantine. Today was not bad because I watched South Park musical and it, uh, I laughed out loud to myself. Like uh, felt like a little crazy person uh, at times. I'm feeling good. Got a um, got a martini tonight. Hello. Oh, she's fancy. <laughs> yeah, Sam. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I'm super. Thanks for asking. Secondly, I'm so excited to talk about the the musical uh, today. And uh, it was my wife's birthday this week. So that was really fun. Got to spend a lot of quality time there. Excited to jump in to the movie today. Yeah. Lindsay. I am still working from home, still surviving, and I'm still alive. And I'm cuddling with my dog. And that is my life. John, go. Life is great. Life is grand. Still living in Astoria for now. Yeah. And we'll see. I'm finding out sometime this week. We'll find out. Um, Doing a lot of fun creating. I cooked a pizza today, which is (laughs) Can I ask where you're looking? I'm just curious. 49th and 2nd. Right. Hello. It's right next to the UN. Nancy. That's cool. In the city. Side. I'm going to have a townhouse in Turtle Bay. Great. Oh I've God. decided after this quarantine that I'm getting a mansion in the Hamptons. So um, yeah, yeah oh, I love happen? the port. That decision. I am good. I'm still in Oregon, and it's beautiful here. We've reached the point now. I'm in Jackson County, <laughs> which is in Southern Oregon, and there's been like one new case in the last two weeks. I think so. Wow. Things yeah. are like low key easing up here. Although my mom is not. <laughs> She still won't let me drive in cars with other people. Don't people on the West Coast think this whole thing's a hoax? That's just me. That's just my read on people. My on the West mom Coast. doesn't. <laughs> okay. Yeah, my mom no. reads a lot of news from the from the worst places and takes it very seriously. Yeah, at, being a native uh, West Coaster, I'm going to say that they're all narcs. So they are <laughs> okay. super into quarantine. <laughs> Yippee! Um, and Sam, I think you do look great in that hat. I am <laughs> I at it. home. I just did a big kind of like home studio renovate kind of thing. The last piece is I got a standing desk converter. No. It I, looks awfully I, low if you're standing right now. No, I'm sitting. It's it has He's just really yet. short. Okay. My latest thing is this like mic arm. That's pretty cool. It arrived very quickly because it was shipped from New Jersey. You, you know, here this is a tangent, but just speaking of shipping, I uh, ordered something online a couple of weeks ago, and then I was tracking the shipping the other day, and it said it was coming from China, and my first instinct was like, oh, God, China, and then I realized the U.S. is way worse than China right now as far as the disease <laughs> yeah. goes, so, like, who cares? <laughs> yeah, you should be worried if it comes from New York. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Let's talk about South Park. I would love just a round table of general impressions of people watching this again. It had been a couple of years since I'd watched it. So 
uh, uh, I guess I'll start. I love, I love this. I watched it just today and it made me laugh. There's some things that were, I was like, Ooh, does this track for 2020? Um, but I feel like that is the point. And I love what it says about censorship. And I love that it breaks some taboos. Cause I feel like that's comedy's job sometimes is to push the boundaries and, you know, be the, the clown in the King's court who can make fun of anybody. In some ways, I feel like this thing is ahead of its time. In some ways, I feel like it was perfect for its time. <laughs> um, I love this movie. I've probably seen this movie like 15, 20 times. But like, oh, the rewatch is so good. I think like on this rewatch for me, uh, the music was standing out more than it has because in the past couple of years since I last watched it, I've been much more entrenched with you guys in like focusing on storytelling through music. Um, so I was just noticing how great it is. The music's so good. I loved it. I could watch it every day. Yeah, I'll, I'll tag team that really fast. I loved the music in this musical so much. And I noticed like all the underscoring and transition music this time through, which I think is so fun. Um, particularly when like Kenny gives the big moral of the story at the end and just kind of mumbles the whole thing. But you have this amazing <laughs> underscoring and you're like, you have no doubt at all what he's saying, even though you can't understand a word he says. It's <laughs> it's one of my favorite moments in the whole film. And uh, yeah, it moments like that really shined for me. I think it had a lot to say about censorship. It's in some ways, I feel like it's more relevant than ever. That was my takeaway. Yeah. So I was I'm a God fearing Christian woman and I have <laughs> never seen this musical before. <laughs> I, I just, I missed the South Park boat. I, I love it. I've seen a couple of episodes here and there, but I just like, I never, I've never seen this movie. And holy fuck, it was such a good movie. <laughs> Hell yeah. Listening <laughs> to the soundtrack all day. I the, the, the songs are so good. They're so good. And I think uh, we can get it, we'll get into it later. But yeah, I loved it. I loved it. I'm very surprised you've never seen this movie before. Um, I actually have for once I've seen something <laughs> in a previous time um but it's been a long time and i love how all over the place the plot is like i feel like i like never <laughs> expected anything you know like you're following the plot and you're like oh it's gonna go this way and then we're like way out in left field and then we're gonna take a sharp right turn and, like come back to home plate and like it's just all over the place and i never get bored because i don't know what the fuck's gonna happen next. yeah in some ways it feels like they were they made a list of things that they wanted to parody and then we're like i'll just like find some way to smoosh them all together into a, a movie. I think that basically goes for all of South Park, though. I'm just <laughs> describing how they do things. It's like the most obvious thing in the world. It is shocking how much the plot like hangs together, though, how they're like establishing things in that first scene. And then that really like they follow through on the swing for, for the most part. Yeah, they do a good job of like planting seeds. I made a note for myself and I was like, why are they talking about Brian Boitano, which I had to like Google and like remind myself. <laughs> But then, like, there's an entire song for him later on. Plant the seed 40 minutes earlier so it doesn't come out of left field. I don't know if I can give an accurate, um, you know, like, what was this time around for me? Because I've watched this movie consistently probably almost every year <laughs> since oh, I nice. was, like, a teenager. <laughs> it's This is one of the foundational movies for me and foundational musicals, obviously. For me, it's classic. I remember specifically when DVDs first came out finding this DVD on sale for my brother for like a Christmas present, but it really was more of a Homer's bowling ball because I really wanted to watch it again. But I knew like I was too young 
to be like buying that movie, but my older brother, it was a gift for him. That's how I ended up with the DVD and then just wouldn't watch it. I love that that's like an entire plot point of this movie is that like they're commenting on underage kids watching stuff. But that's like when when I was a kid, watching South Park was kind of taboo for me. Mm-hmm. You know, this movie came out in 98 when I was very young, but I was aware of the show and, you know, it was like a big deal if you could go over to somebody's house and watch South Park. Oh, I know. I couldn't even watch The Simpsons growing up. That My parents were like, that's what? bad. This is like... Go watch when those I early really seasons young. of The Simpsons too because it's all <laughs> it's all nice things. It is. I started rewatching and it like starts with a Christmas special. It's so, like, <laughs> it's so touching. <laughs> I remember when I was really young, my sister and dad taped over an um, my VHS tape of Hook with episodes of South Park, and I was so mad. That makes sense, though. Because a... Hook is one of my favorite movies. Oh, it's so good. I have the VHS still if you want to borrow it, Jules. I do, too. I just found it in a box in my mom's garage. <laughs> Can I borrow your VHS player as well if I, wanna, mm-hmm. if I wanted to borrow that? It's called a VCR. We all forgot. Sorry, you're right. right. I do have one of those if you would like to borrow it. It does still work. Here's the thing, just total tangent. I am going through stuff in my mom's garage and I have three or four boxes of VHS tapes and DVDs. I don't even have a TV in New York. And I'm like, what do I do with these now? Like, do I try and sell them on eBay? No, we're going to have an entire weekend at Lindsay's of watching VHS tapes. Okay. I'll yeah, vet my request to all of you for the shipping for it's going yeah, to welcome. cost because it would be like hundreds of dollars to ship these probably. They're very big, heavy boxes. For the longest time, I was like, oh, VHS is better than DVD because it's more durable because DVDs get scratched and start skipping so easily. But now it's just like, well, you can just stream anything on the internet, which is way easier than any of it. So I want to take us back to a previous tangent, which is to say that we definitely need to talk about Hook on this podcast. Oh, yeah. Other tangent, but still musical related. I was cleaning my room earlier, as you do when you live with your mom. I was just listening to John Williams music, and one of which is Hook from Hook. You know, he scored Hook. And man, it's good. I started watching it or listening to it because I beat my mom at Gin Rummy, and then I put on the Olympics theme song. Um, to rub it in her face, which turns out John Williams wrote 1984. I did not know this. Whoa. Yeah. I didn't know the, that either. Look at Sam's so, face. His mind's blown. Yeah. Oh my God. And then, but if you listen to it, you're like, oh, this is so John Williams. Oh and my then God. I just went of on a whole course. thing. It's yeah. such an of course. Man, is there anything he didn't do? You know? I know. Yeah. It's crazy. Speaking of songs. Yes. Speaking of John Williams, what are people's favorite songs? Uh, our favorite moments from songs. John's got his hand up. Go. Start this off because one of the first things that grabbed me was how great that opening number picks mm. almost all of the great opening musical theaters. Oklahoma, Bell, uh, Beauty and the Beast. Sure. So many great, like, just like that opening number. It's just, it's brilliant. And that's the one thing I was like, oh yeah, there's a reason that these guys are so good at writing musical theater because mm-hmm. they've been doing it for the past 20 years. Yeah. One of my favorite, just like, micro moments at the very literal first thing that happens is that they take the paramount symbol which is a mountain and it becomes the mountain behind south park come on so good well okay i can't answer this accurately because you brought up brian boitano and now that is stuck in my head let me just since it was mentioned let me just list a couple mountain town is the opening uncle fucka 
Um, there's <laughs> It's Easy MK, the song about swearing. We've got Blame Canada. Kyle's mom's a bitch. Bitch, 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 bitch. Great what would song. Brian Boitano do? Um, Satan sings up there. Uh, <laughs> that song makes me laugh so hard. Uh, there's the medley, La Resistance, Eyes of a Child. Uh, I can change. Saddam Hussein sings. I can change. <laughs> so That's insane. the worst song in the movie. <laughs> I'm super. Big gay Al sings. I'm super. Then there's a reprise of Mountain Town. Chef sings. Good love. Blame Canada is my like long-standing favorite song from this movie. It's not mm-hmm. the one that like forever gets stuck in my head anymore, but like I think long term looking at the soundtrack, that's the one that stuck with me. It's such a good anthem. I find Blame Canada to be hilarious every time we get to it. It's just so surprising somehow, even though I know it very well. Yeah, it's just it makes me laugh so hard. I think my favorite song is It's Easy MK, <laughs> just because yeah. of how like <laughs> of how aggressively dumb it is. And it's the funniest like group number that that's one of the things i love so hard about this movie is how many like big ensemble numbers there are it feels like the music man or something like i loved especially in that song the animated choreography is really funny (laughs) yeah it's really good well easy easy mk is like literally a music man ripoff he's got a top hat and a cane like Uh, yeah or a straw hat exactly yeah it's so wonderful um i do have a relationship with another song in this movie which is Kyle's mom is big fat bitch. She's the biggest bitch in the whole wide world. This movie came out when I was in grade school. Oh, so no. you can imagine. <laughs> yeah, it was intense being a kid named Kyle in grade school when this movie came out. And so, much like the Terrence and Philip movie, the South Park movie was like not allowed to be watched by kids and in the real world. And so, yeah, there were very vigilant parents about that. And it's just kind of funny how it it created the world of its own fiction by being what it was, which is foul-mouthed and hilarious. I would have to say for my, I'm gonna say La Resistance, A, because I love a revolutionary number. B, it's a really well done revolutionary number. And C, it's kind of a cheat because it has pieces of a bunch of songs in it. Yeah. But my number two is probably up there. Oh my God. It's such a good, like, I want anthem. I actually wrote a song that I kind of ripped off up there for, was my zombie zombie princess song, so... Satan in, might be my favorite character in the movie. <laughs> in the revolutionary number in this, don't they like comment on it? Like at some point they're like, we didn't think this was going to become a marathon of a song or something. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my favorite part of that. I'll back on La Resistance in terms of like, that was the first, uh, as a kid who like didn't see a lot of theater, but watched a lot of television, that probably was the first like revolutionary number I was exposed to. And I remember feeling the frisson you get when you're like, oh, that melody is being re-implemented. You know what I mean? And like, it has new meaning now, these lyrics. I had never experienced that. And it was the South Park movie that did that. So my favorite number is, of course, I'm super. Thanks for asking. It's the variety number is, is so choice. It's so fun. <laughs> And he's naked at the end. It's so good. Oh, yeah. Big old cartoon dick. I was not ready for that. (laughs) With like a really intense tan line, I thought was a really funny uh, addition. So crazy. I agree with everything that's been said. I think all of these are great. My favorite is the medley. But I do have to say that up there made me laugh the hardest. At the very end, when he's rocking out, his voice flips to the insanely high part. It is like, I was was not ready for it. 
Oh, that got me real good. The thing that I love about this yeah, movie yeah. and then like song. Trey Parker and Matt Stone in general is like, you know, they just love musicals and it's so evident. I mean, in La Resistance, there's like a kid running around with a flag at the end. It's, I mean, it's a straight rip off of Lynn is and it's just like, you can tell like with Mountain Town, they like really know musicals and they know the structure. And they love it. And it's like an homage to that almost. Yeah, there's great pastiche of a lot of musical tropes, but they're employed so kind of like skillfully <laughs> that yeah. I'm never like lost in terms of the plot or I'm never like confused about any character and what they're doing. No, none of the songs are very long either. Like I never reached a point where I was like, this song's boring. Like the lyrics always progressed with the exception of the Kyle's mom's a bitch song, which is this, the whole well, joke is just saying it over and over again. Well, it does progress because then they go to different languages. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. and then it might sound a little something like this. And then Kyle's mom is like right behind him. Like that. This is as you the, honestly, the breakdown really at the end. Of, yeah, that song is fantastic. <laughs> I really mean it. Can we I, talk about that real quick? <laughs> this song specifically, I was, that's the first time I was watching where I was like, all right, they're like, making fun of languages from other cultures. Like, <laughs> is this a problem or is this brilliant? Like, I feel like with parody, they can get away with a lot more because they're like, I guess this is a question about anything that didn't age as well. Does it work? I don't know That's... if it aged well in 1999 though. You know, I feel like these guys always give you that feeling of, oh, I don't know if that's okay, but I'm liking it. Is yeah. that a problem? Am I a bad guy? You know, they always make you feel like that. And so I, I, I don't know if it's any different. I feel like one of my big questions going into this was, and like, I'm gonna say a couple words that I know are not okay, but like, I'm just giving that caveat because they're said in the movie, they use words like retarded or like, you know, fag, words that like we can't, we don't use now and we know are like extremely offensive. And my question is like, is it that it hasn't aged well or was it like they're, they were just always, I mean, Part of me is like Trey and Matt would do that now, you know, because their whole thing is that they're irreverent. Yeah, the language that... police thing, I feel like I've heard them talk about this in interviews and they have said, we're going to use bad words just because people tell us not to, not because yeah. they have some specific stance on like that they're homophobic and they hate, you know, mentally handicapped people or gay people. It's like, <laughs> they're going to do it because it, they're trolling people. I would also like to- Well, it was like- a conversation about like is it offensive when like the entire fucking movie is you, you see Saddam Hussein's penis twice <laughs> technically it's a dildo, it's a dildo it's specifically times. a dildo <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm saying like there are so many quote unquote super offensive things in this movie that if anybody's gonna come to me and be like that was racist I'm like yeah well it was also sexist it was you know yeah a litany of issues that this movie has and and on top of that that's the point yeah yeah i mean i like it's what you were talking about josh i mean there's a famous episode of south park where comedy central finally said okay you can say the word shit in this mm -hmm. episode and we won't bleep it out and then they have a counter at the bottom of the screen <laughs> yeah, and they say great. it like 267 oh. times or something well, during I the didn't, episode i didn't know that um one of the like kill kenny sequences in this movie uh was about real life like there was a kid that lit tried to light his farts on fire and lit the like trailer that him and his family lived in on fire and burned it to the ground and his like little sister died and they wrote that whole subplot about like Kenny burning himself to death by 
lighting his farts on fire and it's like fire ended up being like a major plot point of this movie too it's insane yeah they don't they didn't shy away from it i will say though on the just to the side of that is that's not actually the cause of death the cause of death is his heart being replaced by a baked potato that is is correct i can't believe that lighting farts on fire is the thing that's ripped from the headlines about this musical (laughs) you asked this like is timely i would say that since matt and trey's goal is to be offensive then we should ask is it still offensive and i would say yes it is offensive (laughs) it's more offensive now but that's because our culture is more easily offended now i think it's super ahead of its time offensively speaking (laughs) Yeah, I want to I want to read something that I, I pulled from a uh, this was an article that was written last year. Um, I can't credit this person because I don't know where it came from now. I just copied and pasted it into my notes. But <laughs> the idea here is basically that you can make the argument that this movie is more of a product today than it was in 1999 or 2000 whenever it came out. And it's because we live in a time where people are trying to ban baby. It's cold outside and that. <laughs> Looney Tunes are like no longer syndicated because there's problematic and that we're just in a time where people are trying to cancel each other. So I, and it's censorship like, just argument, wait until like, you hear Kyle's mom's a big fat bitch. Yeah. And hear them in s- blackface. <laughs> oh, and can we talk about operation like black shield or something? Whatever it is. It's <laughs> operation human shield. It's like, I wrote this down. It was like, uh, get behind the darkies. It's operation. Get behind the darkies is like how, they they must just be giggling to themselves writing this, knowing like, man, we're gonna make people uncomfortable. <laughs> oh my god! One of my like shock moments was in that scene where he just shoots Bill Gates in the face. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! We were promised Windows ninety eight would be faster, and so he's like, it's twenty thousand times. Bang! All right, the window. Especially because we have been talking about Bill Gates a lot lately, because you know Bill Gates like said this pandemic was going to happen like a year ago. I just left. I was like, oh, Bill Gates got shot in this movie. That's Lindsay. Uh, you were going to say something earlier, but I cut you off. I'm sorry. Oh, all I was going to say is I was very scared that Josh was going to say that the headline they ripped in real life was that a kid's heart got replaced with a potato. <laughs> <laughs> It never gets any easier. Now, while we're talking Which, about right, oh yeah, we got a shout out George, George Clooney. Clooney yeah, that George well, thing. Thanks, big fan. Uh, that's that's a whole thing with George Clooney, right? Is he begged mm-hmm. to be on episodes of South Park, and they finally let him play a dog, where he just barked, right? And so that's like what they let him do, and they thought that was funny. And then when they made the movie, they let him be a doctor, like you know, like ER. I love that. I've heard these guys talk in interviews about how much they hate actors. And it honestly makes sense hearing them like degrade, like one of the greatest actors of our generation into a dog, just playing a dog. But like, it's so fascinating that they love musicals, but they hate actors. They're just like, they think they're all vapid and they're really self-absorbed. But these guys just write for themselves. And also like, they love musicals. It's just such a confusing stance. Um, I want to ask a question to the group, which is like, is there anything you feel like this movie's not successful at or anything that you were like, felt like felt falls flat, regardless of the 2020 and 1999 lens? Um, yes, I think that the relationship between Saddam Hussein and Satan is a little bit like empty feeling to me. Like it's it's super funny on the first watch to be like, oh, Satan has like a love life, first of all, and is like 
you know, he's just like, I am Satan. I will rule for a million years in the prophecy. It's just so dumb. Like, he doesn't <laughs> my feelings. Like, that is very funny. But it, it feels so much to me like, like they're making the fact that it's a gay relationship the joke instead of mm-hmm. other aspects of it. That that part to me, I'm a little bit like, meh. I, I don't know. I think overall, it still stays really funny, even with all the weird specific references. I will say Brian Boitano is even less of a thing now than it was in 1999 so same with brian dennehy yeah oh my god i loved that (laughs) moment what is the brian bartano thing is there something going on in 1999 that i should know about is this that just when he was skating literally 10 years no (laughs) i think it was included as a dated reference right and that's why it was (laughs) funny in the movie and it has since like totally gotten way more dated until it has, doesn't so even funny. exist at all. This is my exact problem with Shakespeare, just to shit on that for a second, is that like, you read the original text and there is like all this stuff that has, it, it is all relevant to the time it was written and these jokes and things make zero sense and we you still just do it, so. The worst part is when it gets a laugh in the theater. Oh, I hate it so much. Like somebody <laughs> oh, like researched the joke and laughed. still relevant. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. It's not that none of it's funny. I like the switching of the twins or whatever is happening. But when it's like they're they're naming nobles as specific jokes and like somebody laughs, I'm like, that you don't know what's happening. I was, in, I was a part of a summer stock, my first summer stock experience and there's a musical i i want to say it was like bye bye birdie where there's just like a shit ton of references that are so outdated that don't make any sense but there was a guy that i liked in the cast and so he had one of those like an old reference and i laughed very loudly i thinking everybody would join in and no one did and then at the <laughs> yeah jonathan why did you laugh at the uh, Edgar Hoover joke? Do you know who that is or whatever the reference was? And I was like, uh, uh well, <laughs> I am definitely one of those guys that laughs at, at the random Shakespeare references, whether I get it or not, just so that people know that I'm brilliant. My God, that's my nightmare to be called out for laughing at a joke that I, I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do it. Well, sometimes like this movie, especially, Sam, you pointed this out. I'll laugh at things and not really understand why I'm laughing. It's just like surprising sometimes to hear bad words or like offensive things. And then you're like, oh, am I laughing at that? Because I like am actually terrible inside. And that's like, are we the words we say? Like, can we say bad words and still be good people? I don't know. One of the one of the big things that I think this movie talks about, this musical talks about, is like words are literally just words. So much that like they say fuck, fuck, fuck so many times that you're like, it's lost all meaning. And mm-hmm. as like like I'm like, almost like breaking down that idea, like, oh, that something bad is going to happen if we say a bad word. It's like, no, those are all morals that someone else imbued and has like continuously for whatever reason passed down, but words at the end of the day, don't really mean anything. What matters is like the, the what we imbue them with. To quote yeah. Cartman, what's the big fucking deal? Yeah. <laughs> it makes me think about the like idea that I just know this from having taught improv and comedy before that like a lot of instruction given to teachers is like teach people to punch up. And I feel like Trey Parker, Matt Stone do a good job of punching in all directions, which is like i'm like oh thank god someone can do it someone has permission to do it and like in a way they give themselves permission any thoughts on that idea yeah i think i think that's key to it and and it's hard to maintain that level of cred too because when you have to get everybody that includes yourself right 
And uh, I know at least from watching the South Park show, they do a great job of calling themselves out even for their own like preachy lessons, you know, (laughs) which uh, that's the funny part about uh, South Park and this movie a little bit too, is like that they always do wrap it up with a nice little button. They're very good at writing and they'll tell you what the, the lesson of the day is. And that over time when they wrote however many episodes of South Park felt preachy to them. So they call out themselves for doing that too. But yeah, I think you're right, Josh, in order to maintain that level where you can punch everybody, you also have to punch yourself. Um, does anyone have a favorite curse word in this movie? Fucka. <laughs> yeah. There's just something about the way it rolls off the tongue. Yeah. With that Canadian accent. Glottal like that. Fuck. <laughs> uh, mine is Satan says to Saddam at a certain point, what, what if you remain a sandy little butthole <laughs> as they're, as they're arguing <laughs> and it's not even like a curse word. I just thought it was a clever uh, insult. Yeah. I, I think love... the thing that sticks out in my mind, probably the most is um, donkey raping shit eater. Not that it's I my favorite. I knew there was a donkey sex reference. I knew I heard one. Thank you I for think bringing it's... that up. It's because it's when the movie first starts. So they say it in the movie and then Kyle goes, wow, donkey raping shit eater. And then Ike goes, donkey raping shit eater. (laughs) It's just so horrifying and funny. Um, I really love uh, cum sucking asshole. Um, (laughs) Specifically because there's a memo that got published between Matt and the motion picture association or whoever like rates the movies and they had sent a memo to him about things they found problematic in this movie which (laughs) they kind of take the approach i assume where they have just so much that the mpaa is forced to just pick a couple that (laughs) that they have to roll back and then they totally like roll with it they agree with it so they're like see we worked with you now we can get an r rating or whatever It's just the Overton window of cursing. You sent that as like a screenshot to us. And I, I I, didn't see this on the list, but I wondered if this was one they had to fix was like Winona Ryder, like uh, shooting ping pong balls out of her vagina. And like they spent a couple like moments reinforcing that idea. And then you they reverse the angle and she's hitting it with just, she's just hitting it with a paddle. <laughs> so and I was like, funny. it seems like a weird fix to this. Well, you can oh, tell no. in that moment that the animation is very slapdash because they just added it on at the last second. Like, she's not even holding the paddle. It's just floating next to her hand. <laughs> and it's the same with, um, with Saddam's penis, which turns out to be just two dildos. <laughs> um, that was part of this memo where they're like, yeah, we changed Saddam Hussein's penis into just being two dildos very expressly both times. But you look at the animation for that scene and he's like got some pixelated chest hair. It's like his arm animation is way crappier than <laughs> than it usually is. It's literally two long rectangles. Yeah. Like move around with a dildo. <laughs> they don't look like dildos either. They are like flesh colored with like <laughs> their photo. They're photos yes. of penises. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love that they just said these are dildos and that solves the problem. Yeah, it's very slapdash. It's super funny. Any other favorite curse words or gross things? Um, maybe my favorite quote or my favorite character probably in the movie that's not like part of the normal South Park canon is the mole, Kristoff. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. And my God, favorite line is, he is God, the he is the biggest bitch of them all. <laughs> good. So good. Apparently that used to be way worse. That's what I read. Is that there really? was like a whole bit where the mole was talking about how God had fucked him in the ass so many times. 
<laughs> Which, if you have ever listened to Book of Mormon, there's a whole bunch oh, of stuff. Oh yeah. So they they found a way to get it into the mainstream anyway. <laughs> doesn't in Book of Mormon in the Hell Dream isn't Yoda giving Jesus head? If I remember that correctly, it's or maybe it's the other way around. Haven't seen it. Oh. Just just memorized all the music. So <laughs> sounds right. That song on stage that you're just like I I don't remember. Oh I know. There's yeah. There's so many crazy things. I was like, that song is so ADD. Like, it, <laughs> if it it could have happened, I just would have no idea. I can't believe Jesus called me a dick. It's <laughs> yeah, a great show. Actually, that's I want to talk about. Unless someone has another curse word, they. I, so I I can't remember the, the the exact curse word, but it's when um uh they're in the principal's office and he's like uh, uh he lists some curse words and they're like yeah well we heard Mr Garrison say that and he goes really because oh, yeah Mr Garrison would say and it's something I want to say about a panda bear lost my shit I wanna I wanna um take mine back mine is uh something something you ass spelunker. <laughs> Thing that i was referencing yeah it's in mr Mackey's office and he's reading the the things and he's saying Here, let's do this hang on well i must say i'm very disappointed in you boys okay you should be ashamed of yourselves i've already called in your mothers you but... called my mom that's right oh no dude Mr. Mackey, can I ask a question? Okay, what? What's the big fucking deal, bitch? Yeah. Uh, now, now I want to know where you heard these horrific <laughs> obscenities, okay? Nowhere. Uh, we heard them from Mr. Garrison a few times before. Yeah. Boys, I seriously doubt that Mr. Garrison ever said, uh, eat penguin shit, you ass be lunker. Thank you all for coming on such short notice. This just isn't like you, Stanley. What did my son say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, great. Oh, great God, stuff. it's so good. That's fantastic. Eat penguin shit, you ass spelunker. You <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, that's great. There, There's a um, a thought uh, um, that I've, I've heard that the plosive K is like what makes things really funny. <laughs> why the word spelunker is so it just <laughs> that syntax i love that um but yeah i wanted to talk a little bit about book of mormon because you know this movie came out 12 years before book of mormon premiered which went on to be one of the most successful musicals of like the past decades and I, I'm curious if anyone sees i mean obviously their flavor is there but if there's any kind of like musical foreshadowing or you see like what led to book of mormon in this movie the first one that totally stands out to me is um mk uh as like a predecessor to asadiga because he's like oh yeah well when i say mk i really just mean fuck Mm -hmm. (laughs) say a bunch of times and so it's the same as you know the joke from asadiga yeah super califragilistic hakuna matata all that Mm -hmm. The um and in- the intro to hell when Kenny first pushes the big button in the sky and ends up falling into hell mm-hmm. in the South Park movie Bigger Longer and Uncut that riff is or I guess that guitar t- tone is very literally stolen from Metallica <laughs> in their Black album right is that that's what that one was called I can't remember but it's the one that has like Enter Sandman and all that stuff on it. Mm-hmm. like his classic metallica album and that's like all the guitars and i feel like that's even some pretty dated metal for 1999 <laughs> but like the fact that they're using like real life metal in a musical was yeah. honestly kind of groundbreaking and very colorado so <laughs> i think like 
its appearance as spooky Mormon hell dream was a really fun mm-hmm. like way for that to morph and grow. It's just a little bit of a seed in this movie and it becomes like a whole amazing montage or like medley thing in uh, Book of Mormon. Also, um, uh, James uh, Hetfield from Metallica plays on Hell Isn't Good, that song in the movie. Nice. Oh, really? That makes so much yeah. sense. I also want to shout out to the metal version of what would Brian Boitano do the place <laughs> during the credits. Yeah. And it's like, why? Why? <laughs> the end credits. Can we talk about that for a second? I laughed so hard at the second song because it's- Eyes of a like, Child. Eyes of a Child. Because it's like their impression of what every credits sequence is like. And it's- <laughs> I don't know why, but it just doesn't match the tone of the movie at all. And I feel like that's the joke. <laughs> it's like so funny. There's I always think... that ballad at the in the second part of the credits when things are really cool down and that's your cue to leave the theater, you know? Um <laughs> and they just hit hit it so perfectly. Yeah. I think um up there foreshadows the um man up song. Like they're both metal, but they're both oh, like yeah. I want songs. I, I felt like the characters are like lower status and um they have people that they want things from mm-hmm. and they're not getting. They do something that I think is really fun that let's see, in Book of Mormon it would be like I have maggots in my scrotum, where it's just like, what? Like out of nowhere. <laughs> It's just like this weird thing. And I like, I guess a moment like that would be in what would Brian Boitano do when Brian Dennehy comes up and is like, did you say Brian Dennehy? And it's like, what? Why is that in here? And it's just so, there's such funny, like small, tiny moments that I think are so good. I don't know if this relates to Book of Mormon, but one of the devices that they use that I love is, um, there's probably a name for this, Kyle, you can help me, but it's when they're like, building a rhyme and then they don't use the rhyme they use something else and like you fill in the blank they do it a bunch in the i'm super song because he says they don't say gay until the end they like mm-hmm. they, they they do it one other time earlier in a song i was like just kind of remembering these i was like oh these are yeah. just well, fun as an audience member to go like oh i knew uh, what you doesn't were, take I, shit what from anybody that's a trick rhyme it's a trick rhyme, trick rhyme. i call it anti-rhyme a little bit because it's like you set up the rhyme and then you break it intentionally and that's <laughs> so sort funny. of hilarious but yeah trick rhyme is the yeah school term for it i have i have a question a quick round table the beginning of this movie starts with those kids going to an r-rated movie i'm curious what everybody's first r-rated movie was oh first in theaters or Ooh. i just want to say in general my first r-rated movie was the craft my mother <laughs> knew that i was afraid of snakes and that final scene or like towards the end with them that entire set is Ooh. and it turned me off from ever wanting to watch an r-rated movie for about two more years <laughs> the cra- i'm i'm thinking face off for some reason was that r Ooh, Nicolas Cage and John Travolta. Yeah. Mine was definitely Child's Play, I remember, because I oh, was God. very scared. <laughs> wow. I saw that I... far too young. Face Off was rated Arlen's. I well, can't so go remember. I feel like my family was never very um, intense about that kind of thing, so remember i remember i saw now and then when i was seven which is not rated r but it says the word asshole in it and then i called my sister an asshole and then hid in a closet because i was afraid she was she ran to get my parents to yell at me 
Sam, what about you? Anyway. I'm just checking the rating of one movie here because it's between two and I just got to make sure they're both R. You guys, <laughs> uh, I can't find it. Do you guys know what if Jurassic Park is rated R? No. No, it wasn't. I think it's PG-13. Okay, then it was Aliens. You Definitely. Because my dad just loved that movie, so it was just definitely on. And I remember seeing those creepy, drippy aliens young as a kid and being like, nope, nope, going to the other room. <laughs> when Kyle gets back, we'll have to ask him what his first R movie was. I'll tell a quick story, though. Um, I, uh, I was a young kid who copied what I saw on television, right? Which is the point of this movie. I lived the plot of this movie. Where literally I wrote a line that was, I wrote one of the naughty words on a, 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 te- a test in a sixth grade or seventh grade. And I got in trouble for it uh, because I didn't understand what it meant. Okay. And that line is one of the, the test swears that they use on Cartman when they're zapping him. They have him say things and it's stupid wop dago. And I didn't understand what those racist terms meant when I wrote it down on my English paper and then like had a talk with the English paper. I was like, I just saw it on a movie. And again, that's just, that's just the whole plot of this movie is. Kyle, while you were away, we asked the question, what was your first R-rated movie that you saw? My first R-rated movie that I saw was probably The Mummy. Oh, actually is Independence Day rated R or is that PG-13? Probably PG-13. Okay, then it was definitely The Mummy with Brendan Fraser, which I, my dad took me to when I was very young because he thought it was a documentary. <laughs> it was not. <laughs> I was very scared. Um, <laughs> and then the other R-rated movie that I remember seeing in theaters was uh, Team America World Police and Ooh, Sam Makucha. Yikes. Independent boy One... scout friend, Sam Makucha. I, uh, I have to give a shout out myself to that movie because I remember that that movie came out when I was like, you know, you have that really righteous age. It's between like 17 and 19 where you're like easily offended and you're like super anti the war and stuff or maybe, you're you know, <laughs> and that movie came out and I found it like so offensive and I was like, this movie sucks. And then I watched it again like three years ago and I was like, this movie's almost perfect. It's so good. Also a musical. Now that I'm not an easily offended 19 year old. And a really good one. Freedom Ain't Free, Freedom Costs a Buck 05. Like there's some classics in that movie. I'm so ronery. I mean, the the slow ballad reprise of America Fuck Yeah. The way they treat Matt Damon makes me feel so uncomfortable, but man, it made me laugh <laughs> when I was 18 years old. Oh the my opening God. number alone, could you imagine? I saw that with my parents. It's the opening number of Team America World Police, which is, the song is called Everybody Has AIDS. <laughs> As someone like who loves Rent to talk parody. shit about Rent, I love that, that sequence. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. That song, dude, we should... What? I gotta, we could watch that one again. It's out there. One of the things that I took away from seeing Book of Mormon, because I saw it in like November of last year for the first time mm-hmm. after it had been out for almost 10 years. And 10 years ago, they wrote the lyric, America's already found the cure for AIDS, but they're saving it for a latter day. <laughs> so fucking funny. So true. Because 10 
ago they they had not the cure for aids but they had like truvada and prep and stuff that they were testing mm -hmm. and they're like no we're like we're waiting we're waiting <laughs> fucking g yeah yikes yikes um we're almost at time i guess i want to close just by talking about the the themes of the movie and anything any big takeaways um, I know for me, one of the big ones was this made me think, especially in coronavirus lockdown time, like this movie speaks to like the erosion of rights and that banning any specific words or like TV shows, like, does it bring us one step closer to tyranny? I don't know. I think if anything, society has progressed further from those things happening, but it always takes people who are pushing the envelope, which I appreciate. Like, I'm not somebody who wants to go out and figure out what things are offensive or not, but I'm glad someone's doing it. And um you know, making other people uncomfortable. So <laughs> I'm glad they're doing it, but uh, it's a mixed bag. Um, yeah, I, I love I love that it's a mixed bag. There's so few artists that I feel comfortable being challenged in this specific way by, um, because it's so easy right now to just write off somebody if they're not on the right side of the popular opinion on something. However, these guys have been on the wrong side of things since 1996, and they're doing great. Um, I remember specifically, it was a little bit ago, watching South Park with Kyle, and we were watching an episode. It was fair, you know, it was, it was a few years ago, um, and it's two farmers, and they're like, oh, yeah, looks like things are getting real PC again. And then the other <laughs> farmer says, how long do you think it'll last this time? And the other one goes, no, nah, probably the same time is the last another eight years. <laughs> and it just felt like, oh, man, these guys have been through cycles of this where we get really PC and then we get lax and we go back and South Park and uh, Matt Stone, Trey Parker, they've been creating content that challenges us through all of those uh, cycles. So that's crazy. It is weird to think of PC being something that cycles. Because it does feel very like permanent when you're in it, you know what I mean? But it's just sort of strange to think of it as something that ebbs and flows. Or because it also feels like if you break it, then that's pretty permanent too. But I don't know. They've definitely... It's one thing I really actually appreciate about this movie is how much it's willing to like find the line by mm -hmm. kind of going past it and going just up to it. I feel like you have such a good sense by the end of the movie of like what what your own personal line is when you watch it. It's a great barometer because it's it's felt different to me every time I've watched it over the years. I yeah, I would say um, I always really appreciate the people who are like creating the things for themselves, you know. And they Trey Parker and Matt Stone have done that so completely for almost twenty five years now. And I I remember watching something I think they mention in um, Six Days to Air several years after that they, they made this movie they were asked to do a dvd commentary for it and they were like it was like the first time we had watched it since it came out because they're like making an episode every week like they're so busy uh i just i think it's so cool that it's like they do they're there for every step of the way and they're so true to themselves and i just really appreciate that and they create like really solid content um 
for me, one of the big lessons that that I took away from watching it was the there's a line in the in the opening number which I don't want to misquote it, but it says something like the movies teach us things our parents don't have time to say. And yeah. exactly what it is. Yeah. And the the story that I loved about that was that like these parents are so freaking crazy about like making sure that their children don't watch anything, but they're not gonna talk to the kids. Mm-hmm. And I think like hearing Jules hearing you say that like yeah your parents weren't that crazy about like censorship or anything like that. Um, it's like, yeah, and you turned out just fine. Some would argue better than me because my parents were very censor heavy. And and it was all it was just things like we don't talk about that because I don't know how to I don't know how to explain these things or I don't want to be uncomfortable talking to you about these things and hoping that like by just like me burying my head in the sand that it'll just like I won't have to experience curse words or satan penis jokes <laughs> and and it's so true like at the very end when uh kyle's like mom you didn't you just should just talk to me like you did all of this and all i want you to do is talk to me and that's why i could never have children because they're so fucking needy but <laughs> behind like that I, that I that idea of like yeah it's it's, it's about a communication and there's like nuance and 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 um uh it's not all black and white, especially when it comes to like cursing or or hot button issues. Mm-hmm. One thing I love in this movie is the way they portray being political as like a social kind of status mm. type of thing. Which Maybe I, I can like, be political too. It's yeah. totally that still. It's like social currency. Totally. <laughs> I'm just, yeah, I feel like there's this, there's a way that you can be political in a kind of, um, yeah, in a way where you're just kind of seeking that social feedback or that kind of social status seeking. <laughs> I have one um, final uh, question for the group, unless anyone has other uh, takeaways to share. Oh, I on I do have one more, sorry. On what was just being said, like I feel like this movie made me sympathize with parents in a way. Like mm-hmm. it does a good job of saying people who are pushing these PC things are problematic, but it also made me go like, damn, this movie is offensive. And if kids watch this, I would be upset if my kids watch this. And then like, especially this story about a kid lighting himself on fire or lighting his farts on fire and like burning down the house and killing his sister. I'm like, this is why people get scared of that shit and like i can totally understand it i don't know if that was intended but i definitely had that thought no no solid conclusion to that thought end of thought (laughs) (laughs) any other big takeaways saying okay here's awesome and you should say it a lot what that was my takeaway well one of the big things was it was a movie and so they could say fuck so they're saying fuck is awesome bunch I Hell agree. yeah. Um, so my final personal uh, question is just a rapid fire round round robin of Blame Canada, the song, was nominated for Best Original Song at the Academy Awards and lost to You'll Be In My Heart by Phil Collins from the movie Tarzan. And I just want to round robin real fast, just yes or no. Do you think that Blame Canada should have won? I'll start. I say yes. I don't like that cheesy ass Phil Collins song. I'm going to say no. I love Phil Collins. And also Trey Parker, Matt Stone went to that ceremony famously like on tripping on acid, like really disrespectful, which is great. But like in dresses, they don't end in dresses. They don't deserve they, they don't deserve it. I'm sorry. And Phil Collins is great. <laughs> Who else were they up against? Because I remember reading somewhere they were like, we weren't pissed that we lost. We just weren't expecting to lose to Phil Collins. <laughs> 
<laughs> I think it's hilarious that they lost to Phil Collins, but I do think Blame Canada should have won. And it's because I think the Phil Collins song was a, you know, it's it's in a musical Tarzan, but it's not really a musical. They're not songs that the characters sing. They're sort of songs that Phil Collins sings about the movie Tarzan. Mm. And so in that way, I felt like Blame Canada is a way stronger piece of musical theater content and should have definitely beaten You'll Be In My Heart, even though You'll Be In My Heart is way easier to digest for the mass media or whatever. I just, yeah, I feel like they got robbed. <laughs> um, I think it would be uh, not not Matt Stone or Trey Parker of us to, uh, instead of, you know, getting worried about who won the Academy Award, obviously they don't care, right? They came to the, the ceremony on acid. Um, I do think Blame Canada is a better song, but if it was up against something like uh, You've Got a Friend in Me, I know those were different years, but like that one might be better. And that's kind of like the same like kind of song as You'll Be in My Heart, but You'll Be in My Heart is kind of a snoozer, sorry. I did just look it up and there was a Randy Newman song nominated that year. but I Which one? Think when She Loved Me. Oh, that's from Toy Story 2. That yeah, one's good. that song's killer. Jesus. Yeah, dude, that one should have won. That is a good contender. That's a really good song. <laughs> I watched Toy Story too. I, I have, I have a rapid fire question. Besides the the main cast, who in this movie would you be? The mole. Satan, for sure. Uh, I would be the the doctor that just runs around screaming. Ah! Ah! <laughs> that's because that's what I would do in a hospital. I'd be like, I don't. Ah! <laughs> I want to say Stan because he just throws up every five seconds. He did I, technically I say besides that. main cast. Oh, Josh, sorry. You've always you wanted to throw up on a girl you have a crush on? No, I thought, no, Josh, just... you would be great as the guy who's like, I got a 4-0 great average. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> that's but... what I was going to have you be, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think that's you, Kyle. <laughs> no, I feel like I'd probably be like the guy selling it's the tickets. Gre Gregory with the Gregory. fucking accents, yeah. Gregory. Well, Wendy's new boyfriend sucks. <laughs> Kyle, what were you gonna say? Um, I think I'd be the kids who come in and they're like, um, we came expecting pie. <laughs> and then they just leave. <laughs> Punch and pie. <laughs> oh, one shout out I loved was the guy who's like the leader of the army who's sharing the plan with them, and he's got a big cigar. And a lot he talks, but a lot of it is just <laughs> so good, so good. Lindsay, what about you? Didn't have an answer to that question, so I was hoping you'd ignore me. <laughs> Can I propose one? I think Skippy, the backflipping dog, maybe. Hell yeah, <laughs> right, the same yeah. thing. Speaking of writing musicals where you reduce actors to just playing dogs, we've done that. <laughs> yep. We Actually, you. That. I think you asked for it. If I remember I requested correctly. it. Yep, yeah, that was says on me. And on that note, oh. thank you, South Park. It's just a, a Trey and Matt, just email us your thoughts, Thicken and Thistle, info at Thicken and Thistle. You know, we'd love to hear what you thought about our thoughts of your movie. We love you, Trey Please. and Matt. Thank you for listening to the podcast. You can keep up to date with our latest shows by going to thicketandthistle.org. If you liked what you heard, please follow us on your social media app of choice. We are pretty easy to find. 